Well, again, I want to welcome you here to Big Valley Grace Community Church here on the Modesto campus. Welcome to everybody who's joining us live right now on our online campus. We have been enjoying going through the Gospel of Matthew together in the months of June and July, and we've done that a couple different ways. The first way is that we have been reading through the Gospel of Matthew together as a church family. And if you have not been doing that with us, it's not too late to start. You can, here on the Modesto campus, get a reading plan right at the information booth. They're bookmarks. It's about three chapters a week, but if you want to get caught up, you can do that very simply uh, by, by just reading more uh, to be in line with us. Also on our website, for our, everyone online, we have the reading plan there as well. That's one way. We want to read the Gospel of Matthew. I want you to have read the Gospel of Matthew. And so if you've done that, if you're doing that, man, that's, that's accomplishing one of the goals of why we're going through this together on the weekends, is that you would read the Gospel of Matthew, that you would know what the Gospel is communicating. The second is that I've worked with our teaching team to where we've looked at that reading plan, those three chapter sections a week, and we've, we've asked this question, what passage from those three chapters would be timely for the edification of our, our church right now, this church right now, what passage might God have us bring that it would be really good for our church right now to hear that passage that we might be built up in the things that God is doing in this church right now? And our teaching pastors have done that. And I've done the same today. And we're gonna be looking in Matthew chapter 24. We'll be in verses 36 through 51 to help us understand our passage today, we want to understand the context. And so prior to this, prior to this moment, Jesus had been communicating with his disciples that he was going to go to Jerusalem, that he was going to be handed over to the leaders, that they were going to kill him, he would be crucified, that he would be buried, and that he would rise again. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, he tells them that the first time. In Matthew chapter 17, he tells them this the second time. And in Matthew chapter 20, he tells them a third time. The first time he tells his disciples that he's going to go die and he's going to be resurrected, his disciples didn't really like it very much. In fact, Peter said, that's never going to happen. That's not going to happen. I won't let that happen. And Jesus said, get behind me and called him Satan. That's right. Some of you know your Bibles well. He called him Satan. He said, you don't have in mind the things of God, but you've got in mind the things of man. They didn't like that message at all. But Jesus was on a mission, and he was heading to Jerusalem, and he knew that he was going to die. And when we, last week, when we get to the end of chapter 20, we had the passage we looked at last week, which was he's on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill this. And there's these two blind men that he heals. Then we get to chapter 21. Chapter 21 through chapter 25, it's what we call Holy Week. So Holy Week starts on Palm Sunday. And then in Holy Week, you have you know, Good Friday, you have Resurrection Sunday, that, that week right there we refer to as Holy Week. And in Matthew chapter 21 through 25, basically what we have is Sunday through Tuesday evening, about. And it's five chapters just based on a few days. And you can see from that, you know, it's disproportionate, the time. You know, Matthew wasn't written, so you had an, an equivalent timeline of the, of the life of Jesus. That's not the purpose. The purpose of the, of the gospel of Matthew is so that you would see is the king. He's the king who came. And so we can see a large portion of scripture is just on a few days of Jesus' life, Sunday through Tuesday evening. Now, in this Sunday through Tuesday evening, as Jesus is in Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, now he's in Jerusalem, 
he is being tested by the religious leaders. And so they're wanting to test him. They're wanting to trick him. They're wanting to trap him. And so they're asking him a lot of questions. And in those chapters, you can see that Jesus begins to teach more. He begins to share parables, parables of the kingdom, parables of the king who's returning, parables of masters and servants. And he's giving this kingdom teaching about how the king is going to return to the kingdom. He also, in that section, gives some woes. Woes are like kind of curses on those who are messing up the message of the gospel of the kingdom. And, and Jesus, the strongest words he has are for those who are against the kingdom, teaching the opposite of what the kingdom teaches, yet pretending to be in the kingdom. And so that's the context of what brings us to chapter 24. And at the beginning of chapter 24, the disciples ask a question. They ask him this question privately. And in verse three, we see the question. The question is this. Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? So it's a two-part question. The first part of the question is, Jesus, when's the timeline? When's the time that these things are gonna happen? When, when's the time that you return? When's the time the king's coming back? And the second question is they say the sign. And this is really about the proof. When they use the word sign, it's different than when we use the word sign. When they use the word sign, it's about the authentication and the proof and the validation that when the king returns, that it's actually truly happening. And so they're asking him this question. When's the time and what's the proof that you're gonna return? So in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus it's an incredible chapter. Jesus talks about the signs of the end of the age. He talks about the abomination of desolation. He talks about the coming of the Son of Man. He talks about the lesson of the fig tree. An incredible chapter for you to read, just not before bedtime. And, uh, but I would encourage you to read it. I would encourage you to read it. And then you get to verse 36, and it's about no one knows the day or the hour. And that's where we're gonna be together today. Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 36. And in this passage... Jesus is speaking directly to his disciples to help them be prepared. They're asking about the time and they're asking about the proof and he addresses them with some information but now he's saying, you need to be prepared. And so we're gonna, as a church family, we're gonna look at it through that lens also of four ways to prepare for the coming of the Son of Man. The Son of Man is the term that Jesus used for himself was one of his favorite ways to talk about himself as he called himself the Son of Man. Four ways to prepare for the coming of the Son of Man. So in verse 36, it says, but concerning that day and hour, so the day and hour that the Son of Man is gonna return. Concerning that day and hour, no one knows. That's how he answers the question to them. No one knows. Not even the angels of heaven. Think about that. The angels in heaven don't even know when Jesus is gonna return. They don't know the day and they don't know the hour when Jesus is gonna return. And they're right there in heaven with them. Nor the son. Jesus doesn't even have that information. Jesus doesn't know the day and the hour that he's gonna return. You go, wow, is there anybody who knows? <laughs> but the father only God the Father has chosen to be the safekeeper of the information of the day and the hour when Jesus is gonna return. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. And then we get some information that gives us a hint to what the culture is gonna be like. In this next verse here, verse 37. For as were the days of Noah, 
so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So as were the days of Noah, it's speaking of just like the culture was like in the days of Noah, the culture's gonna be like the coming of Son of Man. So you wanna do some homework to find that out? You wanna do a little research? I'd encourage you to check out Luke chapter 17. At the end, in verses 20, in the 20s, 26, 27, around there, it talks about in the days of Noah, they're eating, drinking, marrying, going about their life. And then it talks about the days of Lot. In the days of Lot, they were eating, drinking, marrying, they were buying, they were selling, they're going about their life. And it uses those two examples to say there was a culture that was largely unaware of what God was doing in the days of Noah. And there was a culture that was largely unaware of what God was doing in the days of Lot. And so in those days, so, so like the days of Noah, so like the days of culture that's like that, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. What's our culture like? I would say that our culture has great opposition to the truth of the message that Jesus Christ is going to return. That this culture is fully battling against the truth that the Son of Man is going to come. Now, it's not the people in the culture that we fight against. The people of the culture are our mission field. The people of the culture are who we are to love and to reach for Jesus Christ. But there is a king of this world, and there is an enemy, and he has so deceived the majority of people to where they reject the truth of Jesus and they reject, reject the truth that Jesus is going to return. And so we are at war. And it is a battle for the truth, the truth of Jesus Christ, that he is coming. He is going to return. And so in the days of Noah, the majority unprepared. In the days of Lot, the majority unprepared. How about in 2021? I think the majority is unprepared. So Jesus is helping his disciples. Here's how you're gonna be prepared. Way number one is belong to Jesus. Belong to Jesus. If you wanna be prepared for the return of Jesus Christ, you need to belong to Jesus. In verse 38, it says, for as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, the majority of the culture was not paying attention to the things of God. And it was a small number of people that entered the ark. And the ark is the symbol of the protection. It is the symbol of the salvation of God. And Noah and his family were the ones who entered into the ark. And in, the Son of Man is going to come at a time like that. The ark represents that Noah's family belonged to God. Verse 40, another illustration. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. I want you to imagine that you were in a field right now and there were two men working. And Jesus, the son of man, returns and comes and one of them is taken and one of them is left. Gives another example. Two women will be grinding at the mill. It might not be an image that is familiar with us in our culture, but imagine two women are grinding at the mill and Jesus returns. The son of man comes. One will be taken and one will be left. I wanna make a declarative statement to you. I wanna be taken. 
We want to be taken. Because this represents that the owner returned, the king of the kingdom came, the master came, the owner returns, and the owner takes that's his. The ark is a representation that the owner took what was his. Two men in the field, one being taken, is a representation that the owner took what was his. Two women grinding at the mill, and one was taken. It's a representation that the owner took what was his. You want to belong to Jesus. This is what the scriptures teach. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, When you belong to Jesus, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that you are not your own, that you have been bought with a price. You've been been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, and you're not your own anymore, and that we're to glorify God with our body. I want to be taken. You want to be taken. Now, what's incredible about these two men and these two women, and whether they're in the field or in the mill or they're in the business or a workplace or, you know, whatever occupation you have, because that's kind of what it's referring to here is that they're at work. So whatever occupation you have, imagine you and another person. It looks the same. It looks like the two people are in the same situation, but everything's different. Everything's different. In John 17, 14 through 18, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, I don't want you to take them out of the world. They're in the world, but they're to not be of the world. And there is a big difference between being in the world and being of the world. And those two men who were working in the field They were both in the world, but one of them was not of the world. And those two women who are grinding at the mill, they were both in the world, but one of them was not of the world because they belonged to the kingdom of heaven. They were a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and the sovereign king of the kingdom of heaven called his citizens to himself. Amazing. It's incredible. It's incredible. In Luke chapter 10, verse 20, it says that we're to rejoice that our names are written in heaven, that your name, as you place your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation, him and him alone, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation, your name is written in heaven, and that is something to celebrate, which is why when we come to worship, we celebrate what God has done for us. So way number one is to belong to Jesus. You might be going, "Uh uh-oh. I don't know if I belong to Jesus in just a moment. I'm gonna talk to you about that. Way number two is to stay awake. This is not about sleeping. Pastor Aaron Youngman and his wife are here this morning and they probably haven't slept for the last three weeks. They just had a baby, all right? So this is not, this is not about not sleeping. Staying awake is about being alert in the attack. In verse 42, it says, therefore stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. This passage is super raw for me right now because three times this last week, someone tried to break into my property. And you know what? If I'd have known at what time they were coming, it would have been an incredible opportunity for the fruit of the spirit in my life. (laughs) Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. We've got to be alert because there's an attack. In Ephesians 5, 14, it says, awake, O sleeper. Why? Because the days are evil. Romans 13, 11, you've got to wake up from sleep. You've got to cast off the works of darkness. Man, this is an incredible uh, image of what we value. Anybody here own a lock? You own a lock. Anybody here own a lock? You lock stuff? You lock your house, you lock your place of where you live, you lock your car, you got codes you put in, right? You got beep, 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 right? But you value something and you try to protect it. I think this is a great image to just ask the question, 
How are we valuing the, the coming of the Son of Man? How are we valuing our spiritual life? How are we valuing that our names are being written in the book of heaven? In, in Proverbs 4, 23, it says, guard your heart with all vigilance from, from it. From the, it's the spring of life. You've got to guard it. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to protect your heart. Man, incredible imagery. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God. It says that there's this, in verse 11, that there's the schemes of the devil. That there are schemes of the devil. They're happening right now. So you gotta have your helmet and your breastplate and your shield and your sword and your belt and your shoes, right? You gotta be praying. In verse 18 in chapter six of Ephesians, it says that we gotta keep alert. Keep alert. Yeah, you gotta be alert. You gotta stay awake. Way number two is stay awake. Way number three is be ready. And, and stay awake and be ready are different. Stay awake is about being alert in the attack and be ready is about being about the work of the kingdom. In verse 44, it says, you must also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. These two passages right next to each other, they give an incredible image. One is about staying alert in the attack and one is about being about the kingdom work. And it reminds me of Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter four, verse 17, it says that when they rebuilt the wall, they had a sword in one hand and a tool in the other. They were the army and they were the construction company at the same time. Is that not an incredible image? That our hands would be about the gospel work, the labor that God has for us to do, and we would have the sword of the spirit ready. We're ready. We're alert in the attack and we're being about the kingdom work. Wow, this is a really cool picture. This master returns. There's a servant. The servant is wise and, and faithful. And, and the master finds the servant so doing. These two words right here, so doing. It's what the master finds the servant so doing. Have you thought about what you want Jesus to find you so doing when he returns? Have you considered that? If you could pick something, that you would be found so doing when Jesus returns, what would you want to be found so doing? Man, when Jesus returns, I want him to find me so doing, loving God. When Jesus returns, I want him to find me so doing, loving people. When Jesus returns, I want him to find me so doing, making disciples. I want to be about the mission. Love God, love people, make disciples. That when Jesus returns, he would find me so doing these things. What about you? Have you considered it? Well, whatever the thing is that you want to be found so doing, do it now. Because we're expecting Jesus to return. I am expecting Jesus to return. I'm expecting to see Jesus. And what we find in this passage here is that the, the master finds the servant who's faithful and wise and he sets him over all his possession. It's an incredible illustration that when we are found so doing a little bit of the gospel work of the kingdom, Jesus gives us more of the gospel work of the kingdom to do. And so he finds us so doing the work that he has called us to do, he gives us more of that work to do. Incredible, incredible. And I would encourage you to consider, wow, are you about the kingdom work today? Are you doing the work of the kingdom right now? 
Way number three is be ready. Way number four is expect to meet Jesus. There is a moment that I am expecting to see Jesus face to face. It is humbling, it is sobering, it is reverent. I will be in awe. I'll be blown away. I'll have never seen anything like it. It will be the most glorious and majestic thing I've ever seen, but I'm expecting it. Are you expecting to meet Jesus? There's a warning here in this passage. So we're supposed to be like that faithful and wise servant who's so doing the work that the master's asked him to do. But now there's a warning in verse 48. But if that wicked servant, so a different kind of servant, if that wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed, my master's not coming. It's like been a while. My master's not coming. And he begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drink with drunkards. Okay, so whatever verse 49 is, why don't you put your favorite sin in verse 49? Okay, this is, like, this is like saying, if you were to say, Jesus isn't returning, I'm just gonna go do my favorite sin. That's what this is saying. So he begins to beat his fellow servants, he eats and drinks with drunkards, whatever your favorite sin is. In verse 50, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and on an hour he does not know and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. Wow, that's some strong language. Look at the mouth on that, Jesus. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him in an hour he does not know and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That sounds like the absolute worst case scenario. No one gets up and puts on their top three things to do today. I want that for my life. That sounds horrible. And Jesus is saying, if you reject the coming of the son of man, if you are not expecting Jesus to return. Just like in the days of Noah, when the majority perished, just like in the days of Lot and the town of Sodom, where the majority perished, wow. What about 2021? Who's gonna perish? You know, We gotta be careful, we gotta be careful that somehow we don't think the fact that, you know, in our opinion, Jesus is delayed from the time he said he was gonna return and now he's delayed, that somehow that means he's not coming back. You know, when I was in college, if the professor would show up like five minutes late, we were like, class is canceled, we're out of here. How many times in our day we're like, you know what, Jesus isn't coming back, class is canceled, I'm out, right, I'm out. We gotta be careful, we gotta be careful. I wanna share with you a statement of faith from our website, you can find this right on our website. It's a statement of faith that we believe as a church about human destiny, all right? And I wanna share with you, it has two parts. The first part is this, we believe in the eternal life of all believers in a new heaven and a new earth. And upon that physical death, and, and, and that upon physical death, they go immediately to be with Christ in heaven, awaiting their future bodily resurrection at the second coming of Christ. So we believe when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, this is the first half of it, we believe when you place your faith in Jesus Christ that you will be re resurrected to new life and that you will meet Jesus in the air when he comes back. That's what we believe. That's what we teach as a church. It's on our website. You can go read it for yourself. Now there's a second half of it. And some of you might learn something about what we teach as a church right now. The second half of it is, and we believe 
in the resurrection of all unbelievers to stand before the great white throne judgment of God from which they will be cast into eternal fire and everlasting punishment. You go, wow, I didn't realize I was going to that kind of church. Yes, we believe that all people have an eternity and that eternity will either be with Jesus or without Jesus. And that eternity with Jesus is the best possible plan. It is incredible. And it will be the fulfillment of what you have been designed and created for. But an eternity apart from Jesus will be horrible. It will be awful. It is the worst case scenario. And as a church family, we wanna invite you into something that is much different than the worst case scenario. And it would be the best case scenario. And that is an eternity with Jesus. I'm gonna have the team come. They're gonna lead us in a song. It's a song that I have picked out. It is a hymn. It is called See He Comes. And this might be a song that you have heard and you wanna sing along with us. It might not be a song that you've heard and you don't wanna sing along with us, but I would encourage you to read the words because the words of this hymn are powerful. And when we're done with this hymn, singing this hymn, we're gonna come back together and I'm gonna ask one question to two groups of people. So, Father God, Lord, as we enter into a time of singing, of worship, of music, of lyric, God, would you use your word? Would you use your spirit? I don't know what the good work is that you're gonna do to stir in people's lives right now, but God, I'm asking that you would do it. I'm asking that this would be an incredible moment in the lives of some folks who are here on the Modesto campus and on our online campus today, and that you would do a great work, and in this moment, we're gonna discover what the great work is that you had planned, that none of us knew, but we're gonna discover what it is. And so God, would you use this time powerfully for your kingdom. And I pray this in Jesus' name. All God's family said, amen. See, he comes upon the clouds. Jesus Christ, our King of all the saints but by his blood will rise to meet him in the air earth and sea shall flee away all creation waits and groans for the lord redeemer comes to take his longing exiles home Every knee shall bow.
Father God, Lord, I'm asking right now that you would do something incredible. That there would be some folks that you would stir in their hearts right here today, right here in this room for those who are watching online. God, that there might be someone new who would join the believers in saying hallelujah. I want to see Jesus come. And so, God, I enter into this moment expecting to see you do something, and I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm excited to find out. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said, amen. amen. I want to ask a question, and I want to ask this question to two groups of people. And the question is just simply this. Are you prepared to meet Jesus? Are you prepared to meet Jesus? Jesus. You know, we go back to way number one, one, to prepare to meet Jesus, and that is that you would belong to Jesus. And are you belonging to Jesus right now? Are you prepared to meet Jesus? And you might right now be going, I don't know. I don't know if I'm prepared to meet Jesus. I don't know if I belong to Jesus. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know. We want to help you. As a church family, we want to help you in this moment right now. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it addresses the issue of the thought that Jesus said he was going to come, yet he has been so delayed. And I want to encourage you, don't think Jesus is late. Don't think Jesus is late, because this verse explains 
why his timing will be perfect. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. So Jesus is not slow to fulfill the promise that he is going to return. He's not slow. He's not late. He's not like you and me, which is five minutes late means normal. All right? He's not like us. He's perfect in his timing. The Lord is not slow to, to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. He's not slow. He's patient. He's not late. He's patient. He didn't miss an appointment. He's patient. He's patient with you. Not wishing that any should perish. He is not wanting the worst case scenario of eternity for anyone. He is not wishing that any would perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, who is Jesus Christ, that whoever would believe in Jesus Christ might not perish, but have everlasting life. The best case scenario, life with Jesus in heaven forever. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any would perish, but that they should all should reach repentance. It is the heart of God that you would understand that Jesus is going to return and that you would respond by repenting of your sin. That you would acknowledge that you have sinned, that you are not perfect. That you've met the perfect standard that is Jesus Christ. And you've fallen short of that and that you would repent of your sin. Jesus wants you to repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus in him alone for your salvation. God's not late to his appointment of returning. He's being patient with you. He's being patient with you right now that you might repent of your sin. And right now you may be going, well, this isn't what I had planned for today. I don't know what you had planned for today, but your plan probably stinks. God's got a better plan. God's got an awesome plan because God does not want you to perish. And this might not be what you thought your day was gonna be about, and that is okay. But Jesus is inviting you to place your faith in him that you might not perish. And if that is you, you're saying, I gotta get ready, and I gotta get ready right now because I don't know how many days I have left. And that is a reality that we all understand and we all face. Some people that are very close to me have died very recently, much sooner than I had wanted. And I am thankful that they had trusted in Jesus Christ and that they are ready to see him and they are with him now. Are you ready? And you may be going, I gotta do that and I gotta do it right now. Today is the day I'm gonna get ready. Stand up. If that's you, stand up. I'd love to pray for you, but I'm not gonna know it's you unless you stand up. And you go, stand up? What are you talking about? He just asked me to stand up? Yes. There is nothing more important that you have going on than making sure you're ready to meet Jesus. And if that's you today, that you need to get ready, you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ, stand up, because we wanna celebrate with you and we wanna pray for you. Is it you? I'm not gonna know it's you. You're only gonna know it's you. Is there someone here? That, wow. 
you know, I gotta get ready. I gotta place my faith in Jesus. Today's the day. Your church family is ready to celebrate with you as you make that decision and as you stand up. So who are you? Who's here today? And you need to make the decision. Stand up right now. Here's, here's the thing. You're gonna feel like there's Velcro on your rear end in that seat, and that's okay, <laughs> all right? But if God is working in your heart right now and you need to respond, we're here to affirm you and celebrate with you as you do that. So stand up. Look, we turned all the magnets of the seat off. None of them are on anymore, all right? Just stand up. Who's here? Is there anyone? Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Very cool. Awesome. Right there. Awesome. Very cool. That's great. That's great. That's great. Hey, that's great news. I want to pray with you. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. Is there somebody else? I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out praying for you. We've got, we got some folks who want to place faith in Jesus. All right. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And you just pray along with me, okay? And we're going to go before God together, and we're just going to pray, and we're going to place faith in Jesus Christ right now. Let's pray. Maybe you'd repeat this after me as you're praying. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart as you're placing faith in Jesus. Jesus, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I am placing my faith in you, Jesus. I am trusting in you, Jesus. I want to be ready when you return, Jesus. I want to belong to you, Jesus. Thank you for giving me salvation. Thank you that my name is written in heaven. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said, amen. Hey, we celebrate with you guys today. We celebrate with you, all right? You guys can be seated. We celebrate with you. It's awesome. There's a second group of people that I want to ask this question to. Are you prepared to meet Jesus? And it has to do with way number three, that you would be ready, that you would be doing the work that the master's asked you to work. Two verses after it says that God's not slow in fulfilling his promise in verse 11 of 2 Peter chapter three, it says, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God? And I would just ask, Maybe you're here today and you're going, I have not been about the work of the master. I have placed my faith in Jesus, but I am not about the work. And you know what? When he comes, if he had come right now, I would not be so doing the thing that he would want me to be so doing. And you go, I gotta, I gotta make a change. And you need a church family to pray for you right now. Stand up. We wanna pray for you. Stand up. If you're going, you know what? Right there, awesome. Right there, awesome. You say, you know what? I need to be about the work. I need to be found so doing the work of the master. Awesome. We wanna pray for you. It's great, it's great. Maybe it is you need to be loving God. Maybe it is you need to be loving people. Maybe you need to be making disciples, but you're going, you know what? When the master comes, man, I want him to find me so doing the thing he wants me to do. And awesome, that's great. 
we want to pray for you, okay? I'm going to pray for my brothers and sisters right now, okay? Pray for my brothers and sisters. I see my brothers and sisters, Lord, and I'm asking for you to help them, every one of them, every one of them who's standing. God, I'm asking that you would help them. And whether they know the thing that's stirring in their heart right now, God, we don't know what it is, but they know what it is, and you know what it is, and whatever it is you're stirring in their heart right now, God, would you encourage them? Would you encourage them as the master who loves them? That they would be found so doing the thing that you've called them to do. And for every one of them, it's something different. And so, God, I pray blessing over them. Would you help them each and every day that they might be about the work of the Father, doing the thing you've called them to do. And they might have great joy in doing it. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus Christ, who is coming soon. And all God's family said, amen, amen. After the service, if you want prayer, our team will be right here. Okay, you got something you want to pray with one of our leaders with? Right there. That altar room right there, those are two doors. And you know what we decided to do on the other side of those two doors? We put two more doors. We just thought it would be great. Two doors, and then we put two more doors, all right? So those two doors open, then the next two doors open. It's just a room. That's all it is. And if you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. Pastor Brandon and I will be at the Welcome Center. We'd love to meet you. But aren't you glad you came to be a part of the local assembly of believers today? Aren't you glad what God's doing? Awesome. Pastor Brandon, why don't you read it, man?